The title of this series is I Love My Church. How many of you love your church? Do you love your church? If you don't love your church, in a minute I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so we can pray for you. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray some Holy Ghost uh, blessing upon you. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, um, I just want to... I just want to talk about some of the great things happening at Foundation. You know, I shared with you, we've baptized over 60 people in the last uh, three months. We also, that's a good thing, guys. That's a good thing. Give God glory for that. Give God glory for it. For those of you who are not part of our first service, we have some gentlemen that have been coming that uh, uh have been here with a, with a group of guys from Last Resort, and they are on fire for the kingdom. Many of them are making foundation their church home. They came up and said, we want to be baptized. Yeah. What an awesome thing to say. You know, we just, want to, we just want to follow Christ in baptism because we believe that as believers, it's a beautiful celebration of our faith to be baptized. So, man, we, we, can, we can just thank God for that. Yesterday, we had Brother Bruce Turner's memorial service here, and what a beautiful service that was, just talking about his, his amazing faith and that, that spiritual gift of encouragement and joy that just he exuded his entire life. Lifelong friends came from California, filled this whole center section. I mean, who has friends that travel all that way to just honor them? I mean, it was just, I was just taken back and said, Lord, I want to be more like this man. But as I, as I began to talk to them in the reception, they, they were sharing, this church is special. Pastor, I cannot tell you what a, what a remarkable church you had. And they just began to brag on person after person after person from you guys that had touched their lives and had touched Bruce and, and Diane and said, we know now why they were so connected here and why they love this church so much because this church is special. On Wednesday, I met with a couple who said, there's something special about this church and we felt God's spirit here and, and we just thank you for doing what you do. I met with another couple, two couples, two weeks ago saying the same thing. There's something special about this church. When we meet the people, they just draw us in, and there's something captivating about their love. And then a man comes today, and he says, I don't know what it is, but I just drove by, and something drew me in. And I said, maybe it's because the men of this church, the men of this church had the, had the, had the boundary line cleared. And we walked it and prayed over it and we drove stakes in the ground with God's word and we said, Lord, this is your house. Let your spirit, God, abide. Let it, Father, radiate hope so that all that pass through, listen, we're a gateway. We are a gatepost for those that enter into Bastrop, for those that are headed towards San Marcos or Austin and passing through. And we said, Lord, bless those that drive by. And let them feel the hope that comes from this campus, God. And you know, as the enemy steps up his game, I sense our people stepping up their game and saying, Lord, we need to trust you even more. Our children's ministry has countless volunteers. We had, we had a young man give up part of his vacation to come help us mow the grass. Another young man who's an attorney comes in and helps me clean toilets. And we have tons of people just coming and volunteering because they've understood there's something special about serving the Lord. 
I mean, I, I could just go on and on and on bragging on how awesome it is. I don't want to brag on our church. I, yeah, I do. I want to brag on our church. Because when we brag on the church, we brag on Jesus because that's his bride. And if you want to, if you want to, bless, some, if you want to bless a man, brag on his children and his wife, and that'll bless him. And so, Lord, today we just brag on your bride, Lord, and we say that she is beautiful and radiant and awesome. And, and, and I just want to share with you, if you're part of that volunteer crew, thank you. Thank you for all you do. If you haven't had the chance yet or you haven't been inspired to be part of that volunteer crew, you can be because God desires to give you a blessing beyond what you could, you could imagine. Now, this is the thing. It's... It's kind, of, it's kind of contrary to popular belief. And it, it goes against common sense in the world. The world would say to you, take care of yourself first, and then you give out of your extra. But God's, God's way is not that way, and he doesn't work that way. He says, give me first, and I'll bless your extra. I'll bless you with extra. Some of us have been in this rat race of life, and we're trying to figure it out. And here I'm going to give you the clue. I'm going to give you the key. The key is to put God first. I think Jesus put it this way when he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things I'll take care of. It reminds me of this past week. I felt like I was just about to pull my hair because I've got stuff everywhere in my house. We're trying to remodel our house. We're trying to sell our house. We're trying to do a bunch of stuff. And, and sometimes it's just like, Oh my goodness, I can't even think straight anymore. You know what I'm talking about, Bob? I can't even think straight. I don't know what's up and what's down. I need Cody to come up and help me because Cody is like awesome at stuff. And, and, and man, if you haven't met Cody, he's just a special guy and he can do like anything. He, he can leap tall buildings in a single bound. He's faster than a speeding bullet and I don't know if he's stronger than a locomotive, but, but he's... He's pretty, he's pretty incredible. And so I'm like, just come over and help me organize this thing. You know, I just want to just come in and do, some of us need to say, Lord, just come in and organize my life because life is quick and it's passing by and I don't know if I'm living it to the max. I think there's more and I can't seem to get there. I can't seem to get off this hamster wheel. I'm just running, man. And I keep saying when this thing slows down, then maybe I can serve you. But, but, but maybe you need to say, Lord, why don't you come in, reorganize, give it back to me the way it should be. And that's what we're going to be talking about here today. Really putting God first and saying, okay, God, I need some spiritual juice on my life. I need you to just have your way and begin to show me the key to living. The key to living so that I can live it to the fullest. But before we can talk about the key, we got to talk about what works against us. And what works against us is selfishness. We're going to talk about the key is selflessness and service. Selflessness and service. It's counterintuitive from what the world says. The world says be selfish, be ambitious, get what you want, and then give out of your excess. But you never get there that way. You never do. God says, put me first, let me redeem what you gave me and what you keep behind, and I will bless it with more. Whether it's your finances, whether it's your time, whether it's your energy, whatever it is. But you got to trust him with it. And so before we can talk about selflessness and service, we got to talk about selfishness. 
Selfishness is, is tied to the flesh. You say, what's the flesh? Well, the flesh is something that you will fight against your entire life. Now, some people don't believe that, but the Bible says otherwise. The Bible says in the book of 1 John, if any man says he is not a sinner, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Meaning that you can be saved and still struggle. Paul was saved and still struggled. Come on, how many of you know that Christians can still fall into sin? Any Christians in the room still struggle? Still have to work and, and work out their salvation? You say, whoa, whoa, not work for. No, I didn't say work for your salvation, but now that you have it, you've got to work it out. And it's tough because uh, a man told me this one time. He said, you know what, pastor? I found sin to, to, to not be enjoyable at all. Sin was ugly and miserable and, and horrible. And he's talking about sin that way. And I finally looked at him and I said, well, you were doing it wrong. Because I found sin to be real enjoyable. Anyone find sin to be real enjoyable? Now, before you call me blasphemous, I want you to understand what's happening here. What I'm saying is if it wasn't enjoyable, no one would do it. You know what I mean? Because it's enjoyable and it's gratifying to our flesh, we want to engage in it. But, it, but it, you reap destruction. Problem is, you know, those hamburgers that I love reap destruction too, but I don't think about that when I'm sitting down at Hopdotty eating them. The truth of the matter is, you know, it's hard to think about it when you're enjoying it. And so you, you need to be careful. And this is what the flesh is all about. The flesh calls out to us. What is the flesh? Well, I love what John Knox, the great leader of the Protestant Reformation, one of the leaders of the Protestant Reformation, the Scottish theologian said this, I know how hard the battle is between flesh and the spirit under the heavy cross of what? Affliction. Meaning when times get tough, the flesh starts crying out, I don't like this. I don't like this. When no worldly defense but present death doth appear, I know the grudging and murmuring complaints of the flesh. I know how loud it can complain that I don't like what you're doing to me. He, he also said, I feel like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, that he, when Paul said, the things I want to do, I can't seem to get myself to do. And the things I don't want to do, that's what I keep doing. Anyone else in the room say, yeah, Paul, that's me and you, baby. We're... Like, come on, honestly, how many of you talk better than you live? Come on, I preach better than I, than I live. I can preach you up a storm. Now, living, that's a different story. Because it's talk is cheap, but, but walk in the walk, that's hard. That's where you have to live. And the truth of the matter is, that's that whole thing working out in us, saying that, you know what, there is a flesh nature, but what is this flesh nature? Well, according to the Greek, the, the word flesh in the New Testament, in the Greek, is sarx. It means the physical body of functioning entity. Whoa, that, that's just confusing. What does it mean? All parts of the body that make you human. That means your heart, your mind. It means your senses. I want you to think about this with me for a second. You have been relying on your senses and it feed your flesh. 
Since you were a child, you have relied on your senses. The sense of sight. That's why the Bible says, be careful what you look at, right? The lust of the eyes will entice you and lead you away. So pastor, um, is it wrong to look? No, it's wrong to look twice. So someone said, well then, I'll just take a long first look. (laughs) Come on now. No, no, no. It's wrong to look at what's going to lead you away from the Lord. Some of us are looking at the wrong thing. They go, oh, pastor, it's not like that anymore. Oh, it's... You see what I mean? It's what you're looking at. Was it? Well, well, how does breathing get you? Is breathing wrong? Is smell, the sense of smell wrong? Depends what you're breathing in. Well, is taste wrong? Depends what you're tasting. Lift your pinky ring to the moon. What is that that Bruno Mars says? Talking about turning up, you know, talking about getting drunk. What, what are you drinking? What are you tasting? What are you, what are you putting in? Because the flesh is crying out for something and the flesh is contrary to the things of the spirit and the flesh leads to more. Listen, when you feed lust, it never is satisfied. The only thing that can truly satisfy is love. And that's what we desire, love. And so we need to connect with God's love. Lust will leave you more empty, more broken, more hurt. And constantly on that hamster wheel, trying your best to fill it. And you never will. So pastor, when will I ever get there? When will You never will feeding the flesh. So what should I do then? I don't have enough time. What, 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 when, when I work hard enough and I finally get to a point where I can give to God, then I'll be there. Well, when will I get there? I'll tell you when you will get there. And somebody will come up and go, he looks pretty good. They did a good job. I don't know what that means. I, I just, I don't view the body. I just don't. I, I'm weird about that kind of stuff. But people come up and go, he looks pretty good. I, you ever heard that? They say, they did a really good job. Anyway, that's a different story. But I'm going, no, I want to live my life now. I don't want to, I want to experience the fullness of God now. I want to experience the the joy of God now. I want to experience the abundance of God now. I want to really, really live life like it was meant to live. And it's short, so I can't waste a single moment. But the flesh is at war against the spirit. Read with me. We have inherited this flesh from Adam, our father. Read with me in the book of Romans, chapter 5. Now, the book of Romans is very theological, so we're going to spend some time just unpacking and unraveling this, this, uh, this spiritual truth here. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. 
Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to who? Moses. Even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. What is he talking about? This is what he's talking about. He's saying, sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and we have received that nature from Adam. Jesus gives us another clue in his his teachings when he says, you... uh, uh, Kind produces after its kind. What does that mean? It means if you plant an apple tree, will you expect to get an orange tree? I mean, if you plant an apple seed, I should say, will you get oranges? No. It's going to produce after its own kind. A saltwater spring will produce what? Saltwater, mineral mineral water. A freshwater spring will produce what? Freshwater. So what he's saying here is Adam had his nature changed in the garden when he fell into sin. How did he fall into sin? He left the covering of God and he decided to do things his own way. Lord, I know you've asked me not to do something, but I know best, I'm gonna do it my way. And now he has a separation between him and God and his nature is now one of sin. He's passed that on to us. Now watch what the Bible says. The Bible says, Sin reigned whether you were under the law or not. Adam had a directive from God. Now, not all people have had that, 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 that written down law from God. But you know what's interesting? The Apostle Paul's already covered that. The Apostle Paul says that every man, whether Jew or not, has had the law written in their heart. And that's why... Atheists have a really hard time explaining that moral law that's in your heart. I had an atheist tell me one time, I don't believe in the moral law. So I stole his cell phone. He goes, hey, what'd you do? Nothing. Well, that's stealing. I said, who said? Who said? How do you know it's stealing? Well, just everybody knows that. I guess God put it in your heart, right? Think about it. A man doesn't call a crooked line crooked unless he knows what straight is. And where did he get the concept of straight if it wasn't God? God put that in our heart. So what Paul is saying here, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you have the law or you've never heard the law, the written law. You are under the law of God and the law shows you that you are a sinner. Shows you you are a sinner. And that is the flesh nature that desires to what? To rebel against the things of God, that wants to feed its own gratification, that wants to... And so watch what else he says. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, that means Adam sinned and now all of us die, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So watch this. He's going to talk about Jesus' work versus Adam's work. So Jesus versus Adam. Jesus conquers sin and death, and he gives us a gift to be reborn. That's why the Christian says, have you been reborn? That means, are you still just flesh, or have you been awakened to the Spirit? And does the Spirit of Jesus Christ now live in you? 
Because the only way you can truly overcome the flesh is in the Spirit. See, if you try to do it in your own strength, human beings will try to fill that hole that Billy Graham talked about so eloquently. There is a hole inside of every single heart. And we try to fill it with drugs or possessions or position or power, prestige, pleasure, popularity. We try to fill it with all of these things, but only the love of God can fill it. And it's a gift. It's a gift, meaning you can receive it or reject it. That's the only thing you can do with a gift. You can receive it or reject it. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't win it. You've got to receive it or reject it. Someone said to me, Pastor, does a loving God really send people to hell? I said, no, they choose to go there themselves. God's not sending you to hell. You choose to go there because you can either reject him or receive him. So God says, you reject my presence, then you got to be away from my presence. That's your choice. So watch what he says. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness will reign in Christ. See, God is saying you are destined to reign. If you receive the gift of sonship and you are called a son, you will reign in this life and the next. But not the way the world talks about reigning. I mean, he's talking about peace. He's talking about love. He's talking about a fulfillment and a joy that will mark your life and no one can take. How do we get that? Well, first I want to show you the manifestation and struggle of the flesh. See, because I truly believe the American church has cozied up too much to the flesh. Meaning, I'm flesh and I'm spirit. I can do a little fleshly stuff, but then I just say the right thing. And I say, Lord, please forgive me. Kind of reminds me of some friends. We were headed to, um, remember I grew up in, in East Houston and all of my, most of my friends were Catholic. Now I'm not saying they were good Catholics and I wasn't a good Baptist either. So we're, we're all kind of in the same boat. And we were, we were going drinking. We were underage. So right off the bat, we were going to have to get alcohol illegally. Am I admitting this? Is there a statute of limitations? There's like, um, and so I just, I already felt guilty. I had lied to my parents. They lied to their parents. It wasn't, is my son not here, is he? Um, so, so I'll never forget what happened. They say to me, hey, uh, we're all in the car. Hey, we're going to go by the Catholic church. And I go, why would we do that? No, because we're going to go get some, uh, some, we're going to go get our confession before we go do it. And I'm thinking in my mind as a good Baptist guy that's been just like drilled in with guilt, you know what I mean? You have guilt. You, 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 you're going to hell. Do, you do not go admit this before you do it. That's just like something bad's going to happen. So they pull up, they run in, they come out and they're doing their Hail Marys on the way to the car. And I'm like, dude, drop me off at the house. 
because something bad's going to happen. This just doesn't seem right. You know, but, but that's what we've done. We've cozied up with sin so much that, that we allow the flesh and the spirit to kind of just work together. They are mutually exclusive. It doesn't work that way. Listen to what's happening in our country because we have systematically become more fleshly and have ignored God and pushed him out. According to a study, every second in the U.S., over $3,000 is being spent on pornography. Now tell me what we could do with that money. Every second. See, but people have said it was a Christian's problem that we had been too puritanical. We have been too constraining on society. What we needed to do is let sex breathe a little bit. Well, it's breathing. No, no, no. The, the, the inferno is out of control. It's burning our country down. Watch this. 28, over 28,000 internet users view pornography every second. Over 370 internet users are typing in every second some kind of sexual term to look for their site. Every 39 minutes, a new pornographic video is being created in the United States that's exploiting someone's daughter. Think about this. You say, well, that's just one area. I, well, we could, well, I could use statistics in almost every facet of life, showing you that, that the flesh does not bring a blessing. But, but, but I think you know that. I know that. The flesh it robs me from spending time with my children. Because I'm going to tell you a little bit more about how the flesh works in a second, and then we'll, we'll go to the solution. But, but read with me what the the Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? See, when you feed the flesh, it brings shame. And this is the way the enemy works. When he has you walk in shame, he'll bring that and attack you with it. You feel worse and you walk in more shame because you keep trying to medicate with the flesh and it just gets you in a cycle you cannot get out of. He'll hit you with guilt, which pushes you further. It steals from your children. How so? Because you won't be in that place of feeling free to invest in them. Let me ask you this. If you're riddled with guilt and shame, are you in a position to really just freely love your kids? And so once he gets you on that, on that hamster wheel, it's hard to get off. But there is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. And God can begin to do a miracle like you never, never could have expected. Watch this, Romans 8. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. You will live. Do not be deceived. He's talking to Christians here. God is not mocked. For, who, for whatever a man sows... That he will also reap. So this is what he's saying. If you're putting seed over here to fleshly things, then you're going to reap fleshly things. Your children will grow up and, and long after the flesh. And you'll pass on generational curses and things of this nature. What do I mean by a generational curse? I don't want to get too spooky on you. But this is the way it works. If you are constantly feeding your flesh and, 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 uh, 
uh, responding in anger, your children are going to learn that and they're going to respond in anger. If you are abusive to your spouse, male or female, your children are going to learn that and they're going to be abusive to their spouse. If you struggle with anxiety and depression and you refuse to feed the spirit and you let the flesh overwhelm you to the point, listen to me, that you begin to operate in the flesh because the flesh will tell you how worried you should be, how little you are, how, how, how you are helpless in certain situations. But the Spirit is saying, yeah, you might be limited in your own physicality, but how about the limitless nature of God that you need to tap into? How about walking in faith? This is the thing. When you're operating over there, you'll pass that to your children. Neuroscientists have found out that we pass this in our DNA even. You know, our DNA will record things like anger, uh, lust. If you, are, if you are bound with sexual lust, you'll pass that on in your DNA. Whoa. No, no, science is just now catching up with the Bible. The Bible's been saying this for years, so what I'm trying to get you to understand is the flesh is not a good thing to cozy up with. Watch this. If you sow to life, which is the Spirit, then you will reap everlasting life. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? Whether sin leading to death or whether obedience leading to righteousness, this is what Paul is saying. You get to choose who you're going to walk under. You're going to walk under the enemy's rule and, and go by what he desires, or are you going to allow the Holy Spirit? So you say, okay, ready, Pastor, I am ready. I am like ready. You've explained it. I get to see kind of what's happening. Now I'm ready to go. I want to, I want to, I want to share a little story with you, then we'll tie it up and, and we'll get out of here. A few years ago, I had the honor of doing the memorial service or funeral service for Scott Bryant's mother. Scott Bryant's a dear friend of mine. And while we were there, um, it went well. Even the folks that were, uh, that were part of the funeral home were all attending and watching, listening. It was a very moving uh, service. So when we were headed to the gravesite, I needed a ride and I jumped in the van that was carrying all the flowers. He was a, a young guy with tattoos, and he's like, come on, preacher, I'll take you over there. And, and I could tell he really wanted me to ride with him because when I sat down, he began to talk to me, and he said, I've been struggling. And he said, I know I'm a Christian. At least I've accepted Christ, but I can't seem to get, get my life going in the right direction. I've struggled with alcoholism. I've struggled with drugs. I've struggled with promiscuity. I, I know I'm not living right, and I can feel this Holy Spirit talking to me, but, but I just can't overcome. I can't overcome. And, and I want your advice, and I heard your message, and I prayed that prayer, and I pray that prayer often, but, but I need your help. Give me something, Pastor. And, and so I said, I said, okay, Lord, you're going to have to lead me. Well, the night before, I was preaching, and I shared a little story that I've shared before. It's an Indian parable. And the Lord said, share the Indian parable with him. And I'm like, Lord, that's not Bible. I don't even know if that's like, right, God. You know what I mean? Like, can I go to hell for that? You know, sharing an Indian parable? Like, I, that's bad. God goes, share the Indian parable. Oh, I'm going to share the Indian parable. I said, well, listen, man, I mean, it's kind of unusual that a pastor would share an Indian parable with you. But, you know, and I start to share it. I said, there's this little boy. 
and his father's, the grandfather's the chief, but he has a dream one night. He comes to his grandfather and he's telling his grandfather the dream and he's hunting in the woods and there's a, there's a mean dark wolf after him. And he turns around to see it attacking him only to have a white wolf, beautiful white wolf, attack the dark wolf and save him and they begin to fight. But right before he, he sees which wolf wins, he wakes up. And so he tells his grandfather the dream, and he says, Grandfather, which wolf will win? And the grandfather just plainly says to him, Son, the wolf you feed. Now, I had that dream. I share it with him, right? God says, share it. I share it. You want to hear something amazing? He begins to weep and cry. And he begins to just sob, and, and, and he reaches back, and I think he's going to shoot me. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, he reaches back, and he grabs his wallet, and he pulls out of his wallet the same little parable his grandfather gave him. Be led by the Spirit. Feed the Spirit. And you will reap righteousness, life, joy. See, because service is the way you combat selfishness. The way you combat selfishness is you give yourself away. That's what Jesus came to show us. He gave till it hurt. He gave till they hung him on a cross. He says, give yourself away. But pastor, what have I been hurt? Then the enemy is using that hurt to get you on this side and to keep you in that hamster wheel. Because the more hurt I feel, the more I build up walls. And the more walls I build up to keep people out, he's imprisoning you in. That's the truth. He said, but I'm hurt and you don't understand what they did to me at the last church. I'm just here to receive. Awesome, receive for a season. But it's been five years, guys. Come on. You know what I mean? I want you to get involved, not for my sake, for your sake. Because when you start using your gift and you start giving yourself away, God starts giving himself to you. And God begins to fill you. And God begins to use you. And God begins to touch you. And God begins to raise you up and give you vitality and give you energy and zeal and passion and love. And he gives you the things you cannot buy. He makes you fulfilled because he created you. You would surely think that the engineer of life would know a little something about living it. And he says the best way to live it is to combat selfishness with service. Now, there's a lot of great people serving, but, but the Pareto principle still holds true in this church. What's the Pareto principle? It's the 80-20 rule. That means 80% of the work is do, being done by 20% of the people. And 80% of the people do 20% of the work. I think it's more like the 90-10 rule in churches. And so what I'm saying is if you're sitting in the seat, find one thing to do. Say, I'm going to be determined to make that church my church and to love Jesus Christ by committing myself to showing up early, shaking someone's hand, and communicating a smile. And this is what the Bible says. Whatever you sow, you will receive tenfold. Some receive thirtyfold, and some receive a hundredfold. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. So if you want joy, give joy. You want to serve someone, they'll serve you back. When you give, that's what the church was made to function on, which brings us to 
Which brings us to the passage in Galatians. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the fl- uh, excuse me, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit. They're at war, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This is the beauty of the Spirit. When you start operating by service and selflessness, you will begin to feel a freedom you never felt before. I get people say this to me all the time, but pastor, it's tough being a Christian. Because you have to do all of these things. And I say, no, you get to do all of these things. See, the spirit of love lifts you up. You're not under the law anymore. The law doesn't affect you. Why? Because you're not thinking, I have to do it. No, I get to live free. See, this is how I see the the, the spirit. The law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. The Spirit says you get to love that beautiful woman there and be faithful and not deal with the nonsense that adultery brings. Come on now. Come on, I'm helping you if you let me. The law says thou shalt not steal, embezzle, or cheat, right? I have to not steal. I have to watch everything I do. The Spirit says you get to live free of the nonsense that that brings when you break it. That's how you live above the law. You're not under the law. We're above the law. That's why selflessness sparks the whole church. Not only will it bless your life and combat the selfishness, but then it will begin to spread to the rest of the church. So there's a church in Seoul, Korea. It's pastored by Pastor Young Ji Cho. And when they first started... They went for 10 years and they couldn't grow while he was the pastor there. Then the Lord began to speak to his heart and he began to sow to the spirit and started to prayer. He started to pray and he moved the church in a spiritual direction. And so this is what the Lord said. I want you to start cell ministry. He brought it to the men of the church. The men of the church said, we want nothing to do with it. So, well, well, can I do it with the ladies? Yeah, they can do it. Thousand members went to 10,000 members. The guys are like, still want nothing to do with it. Y'all do it went to 100,000 members. By 200,000 members, the guys are going, hey, can we join in? There's a lot of people here. So they decided they wanted to go further in their their spiritual walk and and really sowing to the spirit. They wanted to purchase a mountain where they would turn into a prayer mountain where they could come up, they could retreat there, people would stay there and pray for for the heart of Korea, okay? They couldn't raise the funds. They couldn't raise the funds, and they tried, and they tried, and they tried. Finally, one little lady in one of those prayer services where they were asking prayer, she brought her prized bowl and chopsticks, the most valuable thing she had, actually the only thing she had. And she brought it, and she laid it at the front, and she said, and everyone knew her for being devout but very poor. She said, this is all I have in the world, but sell it. It's my contribution." That act of selflessness sparked a revival in that church that they had not quite seen yet, even though they had reached 200,000 people in attendance. They raised the money. They purchased the mountain. They began to 
unleash and unfold prayer over their congregation. They are now over a million people, and they have spawned churches throughout the world. They are the largest, most influential church in the world. And it started with selflessness, giving yourself away. This is what Paul, I mean, meant when he said, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of law, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Like-minded with who? Watch, here it is. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done from selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm challenging someone today to live your best life and don't wait till they come up and go, well, he looks pretty good. <laughs> Do it now. Do it now. Number three is selflessness sparks not only the whole church, but it gives you an amazing life. It gives you an amazing life. Jesus said this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and live it to the fullness. I've come that you might have life and live it to the fullest. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm calling you out. Come join me and serve with me. That's the most beautiful invitation anybody can have for the Spirit of the living God to say, come join me. Come serve in one facet or another. I'm going to ask you to make a decision today. Just begin to think of yourself as a servant. There's someone's hand I can shake. I can go in here and scramble some eggs. I can weed eat for a couple of hours on Thursday or a couple minutes on Thursday. If, if many hands make for a light load. There's something I can do for this, for this church and be part of the kingdom work that's being done. You might be here and you might be an awesome administrator. We could use your gifts. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to the person who the Holy Spirit is inviting right now. What is it going to be? It's going to be better than you think. For he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond whatever you could hope for, imagine, or dream. But the enemy is going to keep telling you, you don't have the time. You can't afford it. Can I tell you something? You can't afford not to do it. Life is too precious. Live it to the fullest. So as our, work, as our prayer partners come up, I have one last story. And the story goes like this. There was a mother who had two children, and both those children were on the mission field. An administrator from the organization noticed that those were her two children, they were on the mission field, and they wanted to have coffee with her and thank her for just giving such, so willingly, and encouraging her children to always be a part of very hostile uh, mission grounds. One of her, her daughter was in China, communist China, her son was in the Sudan, and really struggling there because hostility had really heightened. 
So the administrator comes to her and sits down and has coffee, thanking her, and really finds out that she's a remarkable, remarkable woman. Her husband had passed away, and they had always raised their children to put God first. The missionary asked, well, how did you do this, ma'am? And she said, I did it by example. We always put God first. Some parents focus on this and that and other things, and that's good, but we always wanted our children to love God above everything. So it's not surprising to me that they're on the mission field. And I gladly give them to the Lord and pray for them every night. Months went by and a note comes across the administrator's desk. And it talks about how tense the situation has gotten in the sedan and that several were killed. And one of them was this lady's son who was a missionary there. So he goes back to meet with her and it's been months later, he knocks on the door, she invites him in and he begins to tell her of the tragic news. She's sitting down, she quietly bows her head as tears begin to stream down her face. She says, it is well with my soul. She looks up to him and says, with tears in her eyes, I would rather my son die faithful in the sedan than to live here unfaithful. Wow. Wow. The strength of an abundant life lived in the Spirit. Not waiting, but seizing the moment. Today, step across the line. I'm not asking you to go to the sedan. I'm asking to hold the door open for somebody. Teach one of our children back here. Serve some way in this church. I love you, church. Let me pray for you. And Father, in the name of Jesus, stir up in our hearts an invitation to join you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? If God has put some need on your heart, anything that you'd like to pray for, would you come up and pray? This is an important time in our service, so as we're praying for the next couple of minutes, please let's not move around or go pick up our kids. Let's just take this time to worship and pray. I love you, Foundation.